Hello and welcome to the Yarniacs podcast. This is episode number 173, which we are recording on Tuesday, August 14th, 2018. I'm Gail. And I'm Charlene. And I really need recording today. I'm kind of in a funk, so I'm, <laughs> I'm looking forward to recording and just being in this happy place that yes. we call the podcast. Yeah, it helps when we're both sitting here with knitting in our hands. Ah, oh, knitting feels so good. It feels so good. It's one of those rare occasions where I knit earlier in the day is when we're recording, so it's always like a special treat yeah, to be knitting earlier in the day. Me too. <laughs> so what are you wearing? Uh, today I am wearing my Donner sweater, which is a pattern by Elizabeth Doherty. You've heard me talk about this one quite a bit in past episodes because I have made two of them. I loved this sweater, and I still love this sweater enough to wear two of them. (laughs) (laughs) And today is a good weather day for this sweater. The sun is just coming out as it hits noon, as is pretty typical for our summer weather in August as the fog burns off. And this sweater is made of mostly cotton and linen. Let's see, it is, I made my, both of my Donner versions are made out of Knit Picks Lindy Chain, which is a fingering weight yarn that is 70% linen and 30% cotton. So it's very, very drapey, very, very light, and it's a perfect layer for this weather today. Yeah. I'm wearing my gray version today, and I'm really loving it. I had my daughter on a few days ago for the same reason. It was just like <laughs> our weird transitional weather when the fog's burning off. It's just chilly enough in the mm-hmm. morning that you need a sweater. And exactly. then as soon as you walk out the door, you realize, yeah. oh my gosh, it got hot yeah, outside. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So that is Donner by Elizabeth Doherty. What are you wearing, Gail? I'm wearing my Free Your Fade shawl by Andrea Mowry. And same thing this morning. I was just chilly enough that I needed something around my neck and shoulders and wanted to reach for a big comfy shawl. And this is the one that I've knit in yarns from all of my favorite dyers who are also my friends. So it transitions from candy skein and goes through some Western Sky Knits. And there's one other yarn in here that I don't remember right now. And there are five different colors, five different yarns. And it's just so happy and cheery, and I needed that today. So So pretty. It's very pretty. (laughs) I love this shawl. It makes me happy every time I wear it. Yeah, it's colorful and bright. And soft and warm. Mm -hmm. It's all the right (laughs) things. And because it's garter stitch, it's also really, really squishy and comfy. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. That's Free Your Fade by Andrea Mowry. And this episode is actually going to be like a fangirl designer crush on Andrea Mowry as I was writing my my show notes I was thinking wow I'm on an Andrea Mowry kick right now what have you been stocking I've been stocking a few things the first one is a new pattern this month from a new to me designer called Airy it's spelled E-R-I and she's from Japan so I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that correctly and the pattern is a pullover sweater called Hinagiku. And I'm not sure what Hinagiku means. Does it say? It does not say what it means. But Hinagiku is a circular yoke pullover worked from the top down. It's got a slightly longer back hem that is worked with short rows. And then the sleeves are worked top down so you can make the sleeves any length you want. 
But the interesting thing is oh, the oh, yeah, circularia. Yeah, that's cute. That has a contrasting color or not, as I'll talk about later. Contrasting color, just a single contrasting color with a slip stitch pattern worked into the yoke. And it's really cute. It is cute. Really, really cute. And there are versions. She has one on the pattern page, a short sleeve version where the what in the top in the first version is worked as a contrast is worked in the same color so it's all one color and it even looks cute worked all one color yeah it looks textured yes instead of a stripe that's a texture so the slip stitch pattern it goes along and it looks like it's got a little row and then it has some longer stitches thrown in that almost look i don't know like maybe a little flower or a little butterfly or something in there there it when I say that, I don't mean that literally. It's really just longer, elongated stitches, so it doesn't actually look like anything. But it just it's a just an interesting pattern. I really like it though. Really, really like it. My hesitation for making it for myself is number one, I've made circular yoke sweaters before and I've never really felt they fit me well. And I don't know if that's because I've never learned how to fit the circular yoke to my body or to make it the way that I like it, or maybe I really don't just like circular yokes. I'm not sure which. I've always felt like the join where it goes from the body to the shoulder fits Oddly. <laughs> that's because there's no there is no join. It's just around yeah. nothing there. There's no yeah. stabilization and no structure yeah. which we are used to in our sweaters. Yeah. I like circular yoke sweaters, but when you said this was a circular yoke pullover, my little brain went, Oh, she doesn't like those. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I've just always felt yeah, it feels because it is just straight across it almost feels not necessarily tight but maybe I don't know I just don't feel like it has fit me well in the past so circular yoke is something that I need to try on a lot more before I decide to make one again for myself although it's really tempting because this one is really cute it is really cute what is the yarn is it fingering it the yarn like is fingering weight and let's see her samples are made well she has three suggestions one is Linnea from the walk collection which is an alpaca linen silk blend wow yeah that's interesting the second is lazy fingering by julie Asselin, which is 90 percent merino 10 percent silk and then the last one is Silky Cotton Fine, which is Merino Cotton Nylon Silk. So it sounds like anything goes. Yeah. <laughs> and it also sounds like drapier fabric, which, see, my issue with the circular yoke is that it always feels kind of like it's sliding off because there is no structure in the shoulders and sleeves. 
So if I was to knit it in a drapey fabric, I think I'd feel that even more accentuated. Hmm. Because Even my, with the tight neckline? So it couldn't slide off? It would have to be a really tight neckline because I would suspect that that whole thing would just stretch. So I would probably reinforce my neckline because otherwise my experience with things like that is that they would just continue to drape and stretch and hmm, slide. Yeah, I'd love, this is one that I would really love to see in person. So I'll probably keep stocking it for a little while, see if anybody I know ever makes it. <laughs> yeah. But it's really it's cute. It's really cute. It is. And it caught my eye. And if I were to make a circular yoke sweater, this would certainly be the one. It's really <laughs> cute. I I'm I really like it. I suppose I could always make a short sleeve one just to try it. Yeah, and that would be really... I, I liked her short sleeve version that was mm -hmm. all one color. It's really cute, yeah. especially in a super light fingering yeah. like coast. Well, co that's exactly <laughs> what I was thinking. I could make one in the coast because then, number one, it wouldn't be so expensive. Yes. And number two, I'm always happy to have a short sleeve summer top. Mm -hmm. So... That's something to think about. I wouldn't be making it for this year because it's the middle of August already. Yep. But I can keep it in my wish list and or my queue and think about it for next year. The second pattern I am stocking is a cowl by Hilary Smith Callis. This one is called Tinos and it is a cowl that is meant to look like an asymmetrical triangular shawl. And now you guys are probably all saying, but wait a minute, didn't you make this one already? <laughs> and yeah, I kind of did because I made one that's also by Hilary Smith Callis called the Anguli cowl, which is really similar. Yeah, how are they different? Because I own the Anguli pattern. I have the gauge yet, is different. Okay. Not much different. This one is 21 stitches. The Anguli Cal is? The Anguli Cal is 21 stitches to 4 inches. And this one is 23 stitches to 4 inches. And the striping pattern is different, but they look really similar. Really, really similar. So that's kind of why this one caught my eye because i've already made a version of it mm -hmm. and i thought it was really cute and i liked it <laughs> so this one is tinos by hillary smith callis third thing i am stocking and gail stocked this i believe you stocked it last episode didn't you stock slow curves by Hope yes, I did, yes okay so this one i am not necessarily stocking the pattern like gail was stocking this one i'm stocking projects because oh i do know you remember yes. we mentioned this last time in the description for the shawl it says that with the use of short rows and i'm quoting this from the pattern page with the use of short rows these sections create curves that move like a pendulum on one side of the shawl you will see four definite solid sections and on the other side you will see them all blended together, end quote. So I have been stalking project photos so that I could see that. I've become a little obsessed with trying to see <laughs> the difference between the two sides of the shawl. 
And would you believe I don't I have not found a single photo in the 116 projects that are on Ravelry of anybody laying out the two sides of the shawl so that you could see the difference. Compare them. Mm-hmm. She's pouting. <laughs> I'm really perplexed by that. Okay, if you're listening and you've missed slow <laughs> curves, please PM us and send us a picture so we can see. I'm really, really perplexed by that because in so many pictures, it looks like you can see the edges, but I still can't see the difference. And maybe it's a very subtle difference, and maybe you can only see it in certain yarn combinations. I don't know. But I want to see it. Yeah. Before I choose to make the pattern. I know Sarah knitted a spell of winter, but if I'm remembering correctly, she used really a really not neutral fade, but a very subtle fade. So I think it would be even harder to see the solid versus the faded and that, in her color combination. That could be it. Maybe like I said, maybe I just can't see it in the photos because the photos perhaps aren't picking up the subtlety Mm -hmm. of the difference but i'm a little obsessed with (laughs) wanting to see the difference so i will keep checking back and perhaps i will start messaging people please show me your shawl So that is Slow Curves by Hohi Locatelli. It's a very pretty crescent-shaped shawl, and it has four colors of yarn. Is that Mm -hmm. it? Four different colors. Really nice. You you know, with four colors, you can make a really nice progression. So I, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's in. I purchased the pattern right away, and it's in my queue. I haven't looked for yarn yet though what you know what four colors i'd blend i i need to have you look at your pattern then and see what the difference i will i just yeah i I haven't even i think i opened the pattern when i purchased it but i i haven't looked through the pattern yeah i understand (laughs) so that was slow curves by hohi locatelli and then the last thing i'm not really stalking but i just want to mention because it's so disappointing. Oh, yes. Is the latest issue of Pom Pom Quarterly, which usually has some interesting patterns, but this time the photos are so dark mm-hmm. that you can't even see. Specifically, there's about maybe three or four sweaters where you can't even see what the sweater is supposed to look like. The Artemis sweater has, the pattern page has one photo of the front of the sweater. Yeah, it's so shadowed. It's so... I can't even really see where the sweater ends and her pants start, actually. It's so dark that I would never choose to spend my time... Working on a sweater that's kind that of a mystery. I can't see mm-hmm. in good light, and that's a little disappointing. And it is because pom pom usually has some pretty vivid photography. They usually have yeah. good photography, yeah. And I think they were trying to be artistic and moody, 
And it's kind of the equivalent of what I call the lifestyle photo. Yeah. For a pattern, instead of showing the garment, they're trying to sell us the lifestyle. And I'm not even sure what lifestyle that is, though. Well, the theme has something to do with here. Autumn nights close in. We spend more time with the moon. So it's supposed to be dark, I guess. <laughs> well, then they had a reason for it. They did have a reason. Yeah. But if what you're selling is a pattern, I prefer to see the garment. I as well prefer it. Because it takes yeah. me, number one, I have to spend my money on the pattern. Number two, I spend money on the yarn. And the biggest, number three, the all the time, time you spend yeah. on it. So I I need to make sure that my time and money are well spent. And it's really difficult when you can't, like Gail said, when you can't tell where the sweater begins and the pants yeah. begin. Or where the sweater ends and the, the pants, pants begin. begin. So that's a little disappointing. Bummer. Yeah. Thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I was sad. So that is the latest issue of Pom Pom Quarterly. How about you, Gail? What are you stocking? So, of course, I'm still stocking baby things for Olivia. And my daughter received the baby sweater on two needles that I knit the Elizabeth Zimmerman pattern with the little cute jumper and unicorn socks. And she loved it. So that was very well received. And she said she's going to be the best dressed baby with all of her hand knits ever. Mm -hmm. And if you want to knit more, please do so. And of course, she has no idea all these other plans that I have. So (laughs) one of the things that I've been stocking, I was kind of looking at sleep sacks, which I've never knit one before. I didn't use them when my kids were little. I always thought, why would I want to do that if I'm putting the child in a car seat? Because then you can't buckle the car seat. But you're not always traveling with your child. So a sleep sack actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And there is an adorable romper by Kate Oates that's called the Kiss Me Romper. And it's a top-down raglan-shaped romper that has a two-button closure at the neck so you can get it on and off over baby's head. You can do short sleeves or long sleeves, and there's some cute color work across the chest and then lots of stripes. And it's intended to be knit so that you actually knit little legs that snap closed. But I saw someone had done a sleep sack version of it, which was adorable. So what I'm thinking of doing is knitting that using my Knit Picks Felici Sport, which is a self-striping color that they're really pretty, it's called macaroon, really pretty pastels. And I think it would be an adorable little sleep sack, especially a raglan shaped, I mean, talk about easy to knit. It's just top down sack. So I think I may end up knitting that That sooner rather than later. Doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Because I still want to knit the Rocky pants that I talked about last time from Tin Can Knits. But I was thinking I'd like to do that in a self-striping, but the circumference around the hips will be much bigger than around or diameter whichever it is than around the legs so the striping sequence wouldn't be consistent it would be super Mm -hmm. narrow skinny stripes around the butt and bigger stripes around the legs so i was thinking well i could use my nitpicks for that because i have four skeins of it and then i could do like use two skeins alternating and use 
all of the pink from one, then all of the pink from the other, then all the next color from one, all the next color from the other around the wider part, and then only one skein each for the legs. So the stripes would be more consistent. Mm -hmm. But then I saw the sleep sack and thought that would be so much easier. It I should just be, do yes. the rocking pants <laughs> and the solid. So yes, I agree. that's what I'm going to do. I talked myself into that very easily. So that's the Kiss Me Romper by Kate Oates. And Kate Oates has so many beautiful patterns, lots and lots of kid patterns and lots and lots of grown-up patterns. I think she's probably most well known for the Gramps cardigan, which is adorable. And I saw the grown-up version of it today while I was stalking and I thought, oh, that's so cute. And I have to go look at it and I own it. It's in oh. my library. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like something you would knit, it, you would like exactly. and you would knit. Yeah, it has like a cross pattern just in texture that crosses over in the body. So it's got to be some kind of cable pattern, but it's just oh. like a lattice of X's. And what weight? Worsted. Worsted, worsted weight. weight. So I would probably do it in a DK, but super cute. It has a shawl collar. It buttons. It's just all the cute things. So that, Sounds like something you need to add back to your queue. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I already have. <laughs> so yeah, Kate Oates, I really am, am enjoying her patterns right now. The second thing that I'm stocking I've stocked before, but I'm restocking it because I actually purchased the pattern and it's the Weekender Sweater by Andrea Mowry and Charlene. I don't know if we've talked about it together on the podcast, but Charlene and I have talked about it multiple times together recently. I have multiple different yarns and stash that would work for it. And I'm right now I can't decide if I want to use the combination of Holst Coast and Tides held together. Mm -hmm. which Charlene did that for one of her calyxes and the it's fabric is delicious. Or if I want to use my Finn DK that I purchased from a small farm years ago that's been sitting in my closet, I think it would be a really comfy, wonderful sweater in that Finn DK. I think it would be soft and wonderful and incredibly wearable. But I remember that yarn. I really liked love it. love that yarn. Yeah. And it's sitting in a box, not knit, and it needs to become a sweater. Yeah, that's so a really nice yarn. I think the only thing is I think I have a lot more of that yarn than it would take to knit mm. the Weekender. So I go back and forth between, well, then maybe I should choose a sweater with more yardage and yeah. that usual conundrum. But the weekend, the Weekender sweater is a pullover, DK weight, which has positive ease and the body of it is knit in reverse stockinette with a slip stitch detail down the center. And the sleeves are knit in stockinette. And I would probably do stockinette for the front and the sleeves, or for the body and the sleeves. I prefer the look of stockinette to reverse stockinette. So super cute sweater though. And that's one that Charlene and I have talked about looking through the projects. <laughs> and there are we so have, many different... Yeah styles that people have knitted people have knit that one fitted mm -hmm. and people and then all the way to very oversized mm -hmm. which is how andrea mowry wears it on her pattern page mm -hmm. as an oversized garment yet there are lots of variations in between that and very fitted that I've seen yeah. on Ravelry. And of course, and lengths, varying lengths. Lengths too vary. And I prefer it as an oversized sweater. I do too. And I know I would knit it oversized. I don't know how oversized because I think she calls for eight to 10 inches of mm -hmm. positive ease. I and I don't so. think I do quite that much, but the pattern looks very simple. It 
would be a nice knit. It would be easy and fun and, you know, not difficult at all. Yeah. I don't even remember if there was much shaping. There must have been at the shoulders or something. But it's drop sleeved as well. So not a whole lot of shaping happening. And it would just be so comfortable. And it's really cute. Yeah. I saw somebody, well, somebody brought in their version of it into the yarn store where I work. And so I've seen one in person and it was really nice. Really made me want to purchase yarn to make one. <laughs> but you also have DK sweater quantities. So I do, might not even need but to I don't yarn. know if I have enough of anything oh, got in my it. stash. Yeah, because it takes a lot of yarn yeah. because it's positively used. I think the only yarn that I had enough of is a sport weight yarn, which I'm, I could probably make work. I haven't sat down and actually tried to figure that out if I could make it work. I'm glad you said that because the pattern actually calls for Brooklyn Tweed Loft, which is a worsted weight yarn. Hmm. And I said DK weight because I've already decided in my head I'm going to use one of my DK weight mm -hmm. sweater quantities. So I'll have to do some gauge math probably. Yeah, and I'm not exactly sure Yeah, if it would work yeah. for what I have. So we'll see. Yep, but she, Charlene and I both have that shortlisted kind of. So we'll see which one of us knits it first. <laughs> and I am super excited because I get to start planning vacation knits again. My birthday this year in September, I'm turning 50, so I decided that it's a good reason to go on vacation, and Mike and I are going to Yellowstone National Park, so I'm super excited, and I've already been thinking what sweater will be the perfect sweater for vacation birthday cast on, and what shawl. Will it be slow curves, or will it be bride by the sea, or I've, my brain is churning. We just made our reservations this week, so I'm just in, you know, those early throws of vacation knitting planning. So that's been fun too. I have this giant note here. Gotta pick vacation knits. So those are the things I've been stocking. Okay. We want to thank our sponsor for this month, Infinite Twist. Dreaming of fall sweater weather? Infinite Twist has you covered with Dyer's Choice sweater quantities. Each yarn pack includes 1,800 yards of hand-dyed, six-ply merino, in a one-of-a-kind color for $98, and shipping is free. Colors are not repeatable, and when they're gone, they're gone. Check out the colors currently available at infinitetwist.com. And I haven't looked since we last recorded. The colors that I like may already be gone, <laughs> but I'm seriously thinking of doing one of those custom colors and ordering a sweater quantity. That could be perfect for the cramps cardigan. Could be. Oh, goodness. <laughs> More yarn. So what have you been knitting? I have been knitting my Jessica Jones cowl. And after we recorded last episode, do you remember what I said to you? I had been knitting two, two things. Yep. I had been knitting my Jessica Jones cowl and my Wonder Woman shawl. And it never occurred to me that, hey, I'm knitting two superhero women projects. Yeah. I tried to get her to name that episode Superhero Knits, but we figured since we hadn't actually talked about right, it on the podcast, right. that would be silly. But I thought that was pretty funny. Here that we've got cool. Wonder Woman, one one DC comic heroine, and Jessica Jones, one Marvel comic heroine. So <laughs> that was pretty cool. Pretty cool. That was my childhood right Superheroes there. Superheroes for the win. I mean, my, my, my childhood, and now it's my adulthood. So <laughs> very cool. It is very cool. I like that I'm still enamored of all of my same comic book 
heroine, super heroines. <laughs> yeah, never grow out of that. Never grow out I of never that. would. Good. I love my comic books. <laughs> so I am still working on the Jessica Jones cowl. Haven't picked it up much because that's my podcast knitting. And right now I'm not even working on it because instead of that, I'm working on my Winterfell cardigan, which Yay. I started last week. It is a pattern by Katrine Schneider. And Winterfell is a, it's not an oversized cardigan. I don't want to call it a close, it's, it's a closer fitting cardigan. It's in the style of a twin set cardigan. I don't know how else to describe it, except if you've seen those twin set sweaters that people used to wear in the 50s and 60s with the shell underneath and then the little tiny cardigan that goes over it. It's the same kind of style as that. The pattern page does say that it has a slight A-line shaping, but it's less of a bell A-line shaping and more of just to go along with the natural hip shaping of a woman. Yay! As, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not, at least on, on the sample, perhaps you don't see it as much also because she's got it over a longer t-shirt, so you don't necessarily see a as much A-line shaping, but there is, I read through the pattern and there is a little bit of A-line shaping there, but yeah, I think of it more as just to make it fit the natural hip shape of women so that the sweater doesn't necessarily gape open at the bottom mm -hmm. more than the top. I like that because I, I had always to have stop to build that into my yeah. own pattern. You know, I always <laughs> modify patterns to be wider at the hips than they are at the bust mm -hmm. because that's the way my body is. So Because when she wears it open, there is still, the sweater is still a little bit more open at the bottom than the top, but less so because... Less so than it would be if the sweater had been knit straight down. Mm -hmm. And I like that. I do too. Yeah. I don't necessarily like having that big upside down V of openness yes, in the front exactly of cardigans. Yes, I exactly what you mean. <laughs> so the Winterfell cardigan, it's got that the shaping. I'm using Dragonfly Fibers Dragon Sock, which is a fingering yarn. I believe it's 100% merino dragon sock yes 100 percent superwash merino in the black pearl colorway lovely tonals from gray to black and the sweater has a slip stitch pattern that goes diagonally across the two fronts it's not across the backs just the two fronts so you've got it's knit in the round, so you do one side with the slip stitch, then you go to the back, and then you do the other side with the slip stitch. So it's not too much patterning, it's just enough. It's very addictive. <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun with it, and the black pearl colorway that I'm using Gasp. doesn't hurt oh, either because beautiful. I have 
like Gail had Gail had seen this colorway and she had the same thoughts about this colorway that I have that we both wondered what it would look like and have looked at it for a while and I picked this sweater quantity up at Stitches West back in February and I've been wanting to knit it and I'm I feel like I'm knitting it fairly soon so I'm happy about that yeah. using yarn From within stitches. a few months yeah, of acquiring great. it and I'm I just love the way it's coming out this tonal prettiness from the gray to the black and I love the way the slip stitch works on it I was almost I was afraid when I first started that maybe the yarn would be too tonal f to see the slip stitch pattern but I kept going and I'm glad I did because it, it looks really nice. Yeah, we really, both, really nice. I've had this yarn in my hand multiple times to purchase it at Stitches and I've always thought, I don't know, I can't visualize what it will look like knit up. So I've always put it back and guess what? Next year, I'll be buying <laughs> some because it's gorgeous. Yeah, I'm really exciting. The pattern did take me a couple of inches to get into the slip stitch pattern when I first started it it was slow going I will admit it took me several evenings to get comfortable with the slip stitch and the increases because it's knit top down so you're increasing at the raglan raglan shaping on the front and the back before you separate for the sleeves so it took me a couple evenings to really get into that and master the pattern and the increases at the same time. But now that I've separated for the sleeves, I think it's going to be a lot quicker. Yeah. <laughs> of course it'll be quicker because I'm not increasing. I'm not adding stitches as I go until I, I get down a little bit further and then I'm going to be into the A-line shaping a little bit. But I don't think that's going to be a lot of stitches added to it. But I'm really enjoying working this pattern and using this yarn. Yay! Yeah. It's very, very compelling. It's a compelling knit. That's great. <laughs> so how about you? What are you knitting? I'm still knitting all the things. So in my hand right now, I'm working on my Birds of a Feather Shawl by Andrea Mowry. So there's my third Andrea Mowry reference. So that's the designer crush I have going this, this episode. <laughs> and I'm using, so the pattern is, what is the shape? I don't know. It's similar to her find your fade shape where it starts as a little tiny point and then you increase and increase and increase so it widens as you go. Arrowhead. Arrowhead, thank you. And it's knit with two yarns. One is a fingering and one is a lace weight. And the pattern itself calls for a single weight, uh, sorry, a single ply fingering weight and then a mohair blend for the lace weight. And I just don't enjoy knitting with mohair because it gets in my eyes and it irritates me. So instead, I am using two merino yarns. And one is a fingering single. It's Martin's Lab, which is the husband of the designer, Justina Lorkowska. He dyes beautiful colorways. And the color I'm using of his is called Merusian Lake. And it's a beautiful blue with speckles of greens, little tiny bit of dark blue, and some brownie rust colors. And then the lace weight I'm using is Manos del Uruguay's Marina base. And I don't know the colorway name, but it looks like it would knit up as mostly natural with some speckles of blue, 
turquoise, black, the same brownie rust color as in this, the fingering weight. And then every once in a while, you also have some purple and then a little tiny bit of pink. But the way it knits up, it doesn't, it's not nearly as much natural as I expected it to be. So these colors, I'm really loving them together. They look really cool, kind of mottled. I can't even describe them. I'll have to take better pictures. It's a good combo. I'm really happy with how it's turning out. And the, the yarns both are single ply and they're so soft. And I'm just loving this. So this is Birds of a Feather by Andrea Mowry. And it's garter stitch and you're increasing at the ends. And then you have this super cool decrease down the center. And one of the sections includes a lace pattern that gives it some really pretty shaping. So I don't want to give up too much of the pattern, but it's just a really fun knit. It will be a long-term knit because it's going to be a lot of yardage. And <laughs> this is basically background knitting because it's almost all just garter and I don't have to pay yeah. attention. Yeah. So that's the first project I'm working on, Birds of a Feather Shawl. The other ones that are mostly on the, needle, the needles right now are blankets. So last episode, I mentioned that I was knitting a blanket for Olivia, the Bits and Bobs Blanket by Kay Jones. I have fallen in love with knitting that. It's the Fisherman's Rib stitch pattern, and you hold two strands of fingering weight yarn together, and the idea is you hold one color for the background, and then you change colors for the, the contrast color, using up all your spare ends of yarn. So what I'm doing is I'm knitting a row on my sock yarn blanket, and all of the colors I use on that row, I'm putting into Olivia's baby blanket. So I'm doing one square on my blanket and then knitting a bunch on Olivia's blanket. One square on my blanket, a bunch on Olivia's blanket. So very I'm going cool. back and forth yeah. between these two very knits, cool. which is very fun because it's mitered squares for my blanket and then fisherman's rib for Olivia's blanket. So I get a little bit of a difference in stitching, mm -hmm. you know, stitch pattern, a little bit of difference in the weight of yarn, the size needles. So it's ergonomically good for me to change yeah, it up that frequently. <laughs> and I'm just really enjoying it. The blankets are both so pretty and they're so incredibly different. I mean, night and day different from one another, but super happy with both of them. It makes me smile every time I pick up the Bits and Bobs blanket for sure. And besides those, I'm still working on my Latitude sweater by Elizabeth Doherty. When we recorded last time, I thought, oh, it'll be done for sure by the next time we record. But the blankets have kind of been obsessing me. I've <laughs> really been do that. loving that Bits and Bobs knit. Yeah. It's just so, such a zen knit. Yeah. It's, that stitch pattern is so enjoyable. Blankets. So that's been taking up most of my knitting time. But Latitude hopefully will be done by the next episode because that is one of my Colors of Fall projects. And I bound off the front and I am two rows away from binding off on the back, and then I have to do the sleeves, which are drop sleeves, so they're not as, there's not as much knitting for those yeah. as a typical sweater, so it will for sure be done soon. So that's what I've been knitting. Would it be finished since the last episode? Reaching across the table right now to pick up my Wonder Woman wrap. Oh, it's so cool. <laughs> now I want to knit one for sure. Like, go home and pick out yarn and start today. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so the Wonder Woman wrap is a pattern by Carissa, Br Carissa Browning. It is a free pattern available on Ravelry. 
and the pattern came out back in July of 2017 and it was a very popular pattern when it first came out. I remember it being in the hot right now for quite a while mm -hmm. and I remember seeing people posting pictures of their projects on Ravelry and on Instagram and as of now there's 2,120 projects. Wow. So quite a few. And there is even a crocheted version of this shawl. I oh, that's right. As I well. forgot. Yeah. yeah. So it's got the iconic W worked into the pattern of the triangular shaped shawl. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a W because it just looks like a zigzag also. Yeah, totally. And a lot of people have knit it in the Wonder Woman red and yellow. And some people did variations with the red, yellow, and blue, all kinds of colors. I, of course, went off pattern and, well, you don't have to knit it in any particular color. So I used what I had and I had two colors of the Anzula Lunaris. Lunaris. Thank you. I was blanking out on the name. <laughs> so Anzula Lunaris, which is a yarn with a little bit of sparkle to it. And it's just enough sparkle. Oh, it's perfect. It's really cool. Yeah. And the two colors I used are a dark navy and then jawbreaker, which is a speckled yarn. So my, the body of the W is the lighter speckled yarn, which is a cream colored with the speckles and the sparkles. Yeah. <laughs> and then the navy is the, it's a tonal navy with the sparkles. Love it, love it, it's love it. Gorgeous. <laughs> I seriously want to go buy exactly the same colors and exactly the same base and knit the exact same I shawl, but I won't just do that. love it. You could. I wouldn't I could, mind. but yeah, that's that's almost creepy. I mean, our hahuis <laughs> Shawl stocking? Are, yeah, exactly. Our hahuis are close enough. I don't need to be total twins. So I need to block mine still. Haven't blocked it. But I, I know I'm going to be wearing this one quite a lot once the weather gets cooler. It's absolutely gorgeous. Well, it's a cool different <laughs> shape, too. It's not it is. exactly yeah. the same as every other shawl. It's not perfectly made. triangular. It's got where other shawls have the point. It's got a flat base. So it's interesting. And I think it'll be fun to wear. It'll wear well. These colors, I can wear with anything. Yeah, so for sure. Very, very happy. So that is the Wonder Woman Wrap by Carissa Browning. I finished my notebook. <laughs> I'm on the very last page of my most recent show notes notebook. Ooh. And I'm sad to see it go because I love this notebook. But yeah. that's the only thing I've finished. Okay. And this took many, 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 many months to finish. So. They do. <laughs> it takes us a while to fill up a notebook. It really does. All right. So we wanted to talk about winding yarn. Charlene had this idea to chat about because she is someone I consider to be a yarn winding professional <laughs> because she has worked in a yarn store for so long. So she knows all the things that everybody should know about winding your yarn and doing it in a way that doesn't jeopardize the fiber. Well, and I run into people very often, far too often, who are really afraid of winding their own yarn. And I believe that every knitter should be able 
to wind their own yarn. If you're afraid of winding your yarn, then you need to learn because it's part of working with fiber, working with yarn. Part of it is occasionally having to wind your yarn. Don't be afraid of it. Embrace it. <laughs> it's part of working with your fiber, working with your tools. And there are different ways to wind yarn. All of it is excellent practice for a knitter. I believe that you always learn something from handling your yarn. You learn if you like the way the yarn feels. You learn if it's going to dry your hands, for example. You'll learn if it has a knot five yards from the end. And I, I, I do think it's good practice, unless for some reason, of course, you're physically unable. That I totally understand. But just don't be afraid of it. Okay, that's, what is that's it mostly that, what I'm talking about. People who are afraid of winding their And what their about their yarn are they afraid of? I don't understand the fear factor. Mostly they don't know how to work with it because okay. they're afraid that they're going to get it tangled into a hopeless knot. I run into people that think they're, well, it's mostly an excuse when they say this, but they say, oh, I'm not smart enough to wind it or I'm not skilled smart enough you need to, to, be to well, wind yarn. That's what I mean. It's mostly an excuse. Okay. They just want someone else to do it for them. Okay, I get it. Because I've never been afraid, but I, I used to not want to spend the time to hand wind my yarn. It was a time thing. I'd rather be knitting than yeah. winding my yarn. But yeah. now I love to hand wind yeah. my yarn. Yeah. And when we say hand wind, that could mean putting the wine, putting the yarn over the chair back or your knees and winding it into a ball. But I also consider using a swift and ball winder. That's hand winding too. Okay. I mean, winding, maybe it's not hand hand winding but i mean that's that's winding yeah. and using tools is certainly a good thing and allowable and that can be make the task pleasurable or sometimes if you don't know how to use your tools it can make the task less Miserable, pleasurable depending. which is something that i wanted to talk about because people often don't take the time to learn their tools Swifts and ball winders can obviously make the task easier, make the task perhaps go quicker. They should make it go quicker mm -hmm. if you know how to use your tools. And if your tools are working properly. And if your tools are working mm -hmm. properly, yes. So swifts, there are metal swifts, wooden swifts. There are probably plastic swifts. And what is too. a swift for anyone who may not know? How would you describe that? It's the they're what, they're umbrella -like, yarn. Yeah. yeah. Often umbrella-like contraption, although there are tabletop ones that are wood that do not resemble umbrellas and more resemble spinning tops kind of Kind thing. of, yeah. Yeah. So they, I have a tabletop swift and it's wood and it has a base. So they, they cross each other at the base and then there are two arms that cross each other that you have a little peg that sticks them into the base. And then there are four other pegs that stick off, stick up off of the arms. So you put your yarn around those little pegs and it holds your yarn taut so that then you can put your yarn onto your ball winder and spin your ball winder and your swift turns at the rate at your, 
of your ball winding at the rate you're turning your ball winder. So the umbrella ones, you basically would open up your skein of yarn, put it over the umbrella, and then open the umbrella until your yarn is at the tautness you want. Or in my case, I can move the pegs if I need to, to increase the tautness of how the yarn is being held by the swift. And if you have a swift, you can use it with a ball winder to wind what looks like a little cake, as as they're often called, of yarn. Or you can even wind off of a swift into a ball in your hands. You can even prop, you can even wind from a swift onto a nostapin, nostapine, mm-hmm. one of those um, metal, not metal, one of those wooden pegs that people sometimes use. Kind of like to a dowel. Hand, yeah. Some and, people use wooden spoons. And toilet paper rolls. Yes. Yeah. So anything that you wind onto, you can wind off of a swift. So if you're out to purchase a swift, there's a couple things to keep in mind because there are swifts that range low, lower costing swifts all the way up to very expensive swifts. And one thing that people often don't take into consideration that I like to remind them is the weight of the swift itself. So I, of, I often caution people if they knit if you knit mostly for example lace weight yarns you're not going to want to purchase a swift that is very heavy because the heavier the swift that's weight that goes around and around each time it turns so if you have a very lightweight single ply lace weight yarn and you're trying to pull a heavy swift around and around, that could break your yarn. I've had that happen on heavy swifts with very lightweight yarn. So that's something to keep in mind. I personally like really lightweight swifts. And my umbrella swifts, the metal ones, tend to be lighter. Mm -hmm. But I really like my tabletop one because most umbrella swifts need to be attached Mm, to something. So the side of a table the side of a countertop, and then there's usually a vise that you tighten so that it's attached firmly so your yarn, it's not going to tip over with your yarn Mm -hmm. on it. My tabletop one I really like because I don't have a great place to set up a swift that needs to be attached to something. So that's another consideration too. So my swift is a little heavier because it's made of wood, but it's much more functional for my space. So things or issues that people have with swifts sometimes if they don't tighten them enough i've heard people say oh my swift always collapses on me when they're in the middle of a skein Mm. and that could be user error perhaps for not tightening it enough sometimes the metal ones the less expensive metal ones the metal parts aren't soldered together well Mm -hmm. and, and things will come apart the Swift that I have is a metal Swift, and it's a second-hand Swift. And the person who got rid of it got rid of it because some of the metal parts started coming loose. But I saw that all the parts that came loose had holes through them. So I ended up putting jump rings through the ones oh, nice. that broke, and the Swift has served me for years. Excellent. Just fine. 
So there are ways around, but that's one of the things. People have them collapse or, yeah, the heaviness is sometimes an issue and you have to yank it. When you put the yarn on a swift, sometimes you have to turn your hank of yarn a little bit. When you unwind a hank of yarn and it becomes a big circle, that's what's called a hank of yarn, and you put it around the swift, you also have to take care to make sure that all the strands are going in the same direction mm -hmm. and you don't cross them over. And most of the time, most yarns have a tie or two or three or in if place. it's Tosh, it's six or seven. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's got their own way of doing it, but I like to leave the ties on until the last minute to make sure that I get the yarn put around oh, the yeah. swift without miscrossing any single strands. Mm -hmm. Is that a good way to understand? I do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I never take those ties off yeah. until I'm ready to start winding. Yeah, exactly. So I'll even put it around the swift with the ties still on because yeah. you can cut the ties once the yarn is on the swift. But you just have to make sure. And don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. It's not worth it. Open up the hank. Look at it. Pull on it. Make sure that you've got all the strands taut. Make sure that visually, make sure that you don't see anything tangled. Sometimes if you just pull on the hank, snap the hank, the strands will fall into place or you'll you'll visually be able to tell if there's one that's miscrossed. That's some of the best advice I ever received was to snap your hank before you put it mm. on the swift because it really does help pull things better into alignment. So if things kind of got twisted on themselves when it was twisted into a hank, if you snap it a couple times before you put it on the swift, it can help alleviate that, which will make your winding experience much more pleasant. Mm -hmm. And then once you are winding and once it's on the swift, if you find that the strands are always difficult to pull because they're coming from underneath, just gently rotate your yarn, rotate the hank. You, you probably while it's on the swift while it's on the swift yeah. yeah i'm trying to think how do you describe that just like yeah, grab it. the strands all together and just rotate them and it'll take you three four five rotates to make it all the way around mm -hmm. the entire hank of course once you start rotating it and you see how the yarn is coming off of the hank from the front you'll visually go oh that's what now i get it yeah because if your yarn's coming from the back of the swift instead of in front of the swift where you can see it, it's going to pull a lot harder. So rotating the yarn while it's on the swift pulls that strand to the front mm -hmm. and makes the winding process much easier. Yeah. It's kind of intuitive, I think, when you're actually winding. So yeah. it should, while you're winding, it should feel like the yarn is free to move. If you're winding and it feels like you're pulling on the yarn, that's usually a sign something isn't right. Because if you're really pulling and you can feel the yarn's elasticity stretching, Charlene taught me this a long time ago, one, that could break the yarn, and two, it's going to stretch the yarn. So if you are winding really fast, or if you're <laughs> winding and it's pulling really hard, you're jeopardizing the elasticity of the yarn because it's going to be in that hank for however long until you knit it, 
and that can actually affect the fibers of the yarn. Mm -hmm. And that's a good tip. Don't wind the yarn too far in advance. Mm -hmm. If you're at a sale and you buy three or four sweater quantities, don't have it wound if you don't intend to knit it right away. Right away. Yeah. Just leave it in the hank and then wind it up when you're ready to work on your project. Pro so, tip right there, because I <laughs> I have a lot of cakes of yarn because I thought I was going to be starting a project. Oh, I do and then too. We so, all yeah. do. Yeah, we all do. But the thing I've learned is that I wind my yarn slowly now so that mm-hmm. I'm not stretching it. Yeah. So I don't feel like I'm harming anything by having it in a ball because I know that I was very meticulous and slow mm-hmm. instead of my typical impatient, how fast can I wind this ball? <laughs> I don't do it like that way, like that at all anymore. Well, and that leads into winders. There are plastic winders and there are wooden winders. And again, lower cost winders all the way up to very expensive winders. And those very expensive winders really are nice if you can't afford them. If you can't afford them, that doesn't mean that you can't have a winder. It just means that you have to learn to work with the winder that you have. I have a very inexpensive plastic winder that actually has a bad reputation in some in in some discussions i have seen the nitpicks plastic ball winder much aligned much maligned for reasons that i'll discuss further on but it's a plastic one and the plastic the main thing about the plastic ones is that they all Well, all winders operate on gears to make the winding arm rotate the yarn winding base. And eventually, yes, plastic gears do wear out. And you're one day, if you've wound 100, 200, 300, I don't know how many skeins of yarn, but if you've wound too many and those gears have worn down, one day you'll get to your winder and you'll be winding and winding and you'll hear click, click, click and the yarn won't be taking up. And probably it's because the gears have either become misaligned or they've worn down. And if they've worn down, then you just toss it and buy a new winder. (laughs) If they become misaligned, if you're so inclined, you can probably open it up and realign them. But I don't know. (laughs) I did invest in one of the more expensive ball winders many, many years ago, and I love it. I can't Mm -hmm. remember the brand name of it right now, so I'll put it in the show notes or the Ravelry thread. But it's pretty massive, and it comes in pieces, so you actually have to kind of assemble it while you're setting it up. And it's intended to also be able to wind very large balls of Mm -hmm. yarn, which is great. Yeah, that's really nice. Very nice. So an example would be maybe Woolmai's lace garn, very, very large. 1,700 yards. Exactly. So that, I can usually wind the whole thing on that ball winder and not have to cut it and start again. Yeah, the smaller ball winders occasionally will run into a skein of something that's just so bulky that you have to cut it into two. Yep. Which for most knitters is not a problem, but there are some people that would rather finish winding it by hand, for example, rather than cut it into two. 
And Gail had mentioned using the winder really fast can often create that tight, small cake, which you don't necessarily want because your yarn is tighter and that's not always good for resting. Well, it's especially wool. It's not good for resting wool, I should say. Probably would be fine for an acrylic. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't wound a lot of acrylic, so I'm not sure how acrylic would react to being wound tightly. But if you wind slower, that can often result in a looser ball. And one thing that is often not understood is the relationship between the tension that you put on the yarn and how tight or how loose the cake gets wound onto a ball winder. Because if you have no tension on your yarn as you wind, you're going to end up with a really loose cake. And what often happens is as you wind, that ball will fly off the ball winder. Yes, and that's not fun. That has happened <laughs> to me. That's not fun. And that, when I looked, when I have looked at reviews about less expensive, and it's not even less expensive. It seems to be, seems to run the gamut of many ball winders. But one of the things that a lot of users complain about is they say, oh, that ball winder, the balls always fly off. And in my experience, and I've wound a lot of yarn, <laughs> in my experience, the ball of yarn flies off the winder if the tension of the yarn you are winding as it comes off the swift is too loose. So you need to find ways to find that, what I think of as a sweet spot for your ball winder and your swift. And the ways you can increase or decrease the tension, sometimes I'll hold the strand or I'll just hook the strand around my finger and hold it out a little bit, hold it away a little bit from the swift and the ball winder as I wind. So there's like an extra peg that it has to go around. Sometimes that will add a little bit of tension to it. Sometimes it's how far your ball winder is from the swift. Sometimes you need to increase that distance. A lot of times if people have their swift and their ball winder right next to each other, you're not giving that yarn distance enough to get to the ball winder to create that optimal tension. Yeah, I'd say there needs to be at least a, a, a foot or two between the two or tools more. or more or if more. you can do more. I, yeah. When I set it up at home, I probably have at least five feet between my oh, winder really? and my swift. Nice. Yeah. I never do it that far. I should I don't, try. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there is a recommended distance, but I know that you have to find that quote-unquote sweet spot for it to work perfectly. And I suspect that that sweet spot might be different for different weights of yarn yeah. too and because I work in a yarn store and we have a spot where the swift is and the ball winder is and that's not really movable in a store but if I when I wind at home now that I think about it 
I bet it could be different for different weights of yarn. So again, it's something trial and error and watch your yarn as it's going on to the ball winder. You can tell if it's winding too loosely because you'll be able to visually see that the yarn is just looking sloppy mm -hmm. and not tight and not taut and not neat. And if it's too tight, you should, well, you can kind of feel the tension. You can feel the tension and it's also it's going to be really <clears throat> tiny as you wind. It's, it's, it's not going to grow as it should. And that's something that you may not have a sense for if you don't wind a lot of yarn. But if you wind two balls of the same yarn and one of them is small and one of them looks average sized, then you can always rewind that one that looks small. That was another pro tip right there. <clears throat> Excuse me, Charlene taught me this a long time ago. You can always rewind your cake, which to me wasn't intuitive. She basically took my caked ball, put it in a basket near the, near the ball winder, put it back, connected it back to the ball winder, and I just stood there and rewound it from its original two tights um, cake. So that's another thing that is really easy to do. It's even easier than doing it from the Swift, I think, as long as you have your yarn ball in a place where it can move freely because it is going to kind of bop around yeah. while you're yeah. rewinding it. So put it in some kind of basket where it's not going to hop out and it can actually spin around on its own. So that is something Charlene taught me a long time ago where I can now identify just by feeling because if you squeeze your cake it shouldn't feel super tense. It shouldn't feel like it. it's going to spring. There's Once you do it enough, you get a sense. You should be able to squeeze your cake and it feels good and it feels light and, and right. And when it's tight, you can feel that tension yeah. in the cake. Yeah, when it's tight, often it's not squishy enough. There's not enough air in mm -hmm. there. And when it's too loose, it looks sloppy. Yeah. It looks like it's gonna the under layers are going to fall off. It's going to become yarn barf. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Especially if on a cake that's too loose, you pull from the middle. Yeah. Because then it's going to collapse on itself. And there's a lot of... You, you have the choice of pulling from the middle of a cake or pulling from the outside. And every knitter has a personal preference. And I don't really think one is better over the other. I usually pull from the outside just because I don't like that when it collapses on itself mm -hmm. when, you, saying, <laughs> when you get outside. to the outside. Yeah. So I don't think pulling from the outside or the inside one is better than the other. But again, I just think you work with your tools, know your tools. If you don't know your swift and your ball winder, take a skein, take a practice skein and wind it once and then wind it again. Like Gail mentioned, take it from its cake and wind it again. See if, try to wind it too tight or try to wind it loose and just see what that looks like so that you know, so that you kind of know what you don't want, mm -hmm. and then you can go for the good skein <laughs> tension yeah. when you're winding. 
I think, yeah, practice with your tools. I would totally recommend doing that practice on like a ball of Cascade 220 or something Mm -hmm. that is going to, one, not care if it's rewound lots of times. Yeah, that's a good point. But the smaller the skein, the easier it is to practice. And I think it was a skein of Malabrigo where you taught me this lesson. I think Christine had wound it for me. And I showed you and you said, oh my gosh, it was just so (laughs) tight. And I didn't realize. And Charlene said, oh my gosh, that was wound way too tight. We have to rewind that. And if you experiment with the first time winding really fast, that's going to make it super tight. And then, especially if you have two skeins of the same yarn, do the next one leisurely and then hold those two skeins and you'll feel, you'll, seriously, you will feel the difference. Yeah. You'll know. You'll be like, oh, that's what they were talking it's about. It's pulling it tight so that there's no air in it. Yeah, and squishing then, all the air out of those fibers yeah. and they're like, no, yeah. don't stretch me so hard, it yeah. hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Your yarn is crying. <laughs> But mainly don't be afraid to wind your yarn and practice with your tools. The tools that you use for winding yarn are just like tool, just like your knitting needles mm-hmm. and your crochet hooks. And it takes practice to learn how to use them right. And if you have a problem like the yarn ball flying off the ball winder or the yarn not staying on your swift, just need to practice with it and find that sweet spot between your ball winder and swift. And hopefully you don't have a problem with your tools and you'll be able to find a way to make them work together. Yep. Cause it's much nicer when yeah. all every bit of the knitting process is pleasant. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And definitely try to hand wind just with your hands, a skein of yarn every now and then. It's a really good feeling. <laughs> I agree. It's worth the time. I agree. All right. Well, hopefully you guys found some of that useful yeah. and we will have another knit along update next episode. I have some more prizes. I finally put the prizes up in the threads Yay, too. So all that you. information is available and still loving all there's so many finished objects already and we have more than a month to go yay (laughs) thank goodness because i still haven't finished my sweater so hopefully by the next episode i'll have my latitude off the needle okay (laughs) thank you for listening happy knitting everyone everyone. bye you can find our podcast on itunes at yarniax podcast visit our blog with show notes at yarniax.com we have a friendly and engaging yarniax podcast ravelry group my Ravelry name is Knitter Ninja Shar. Gail's is Gaily Whaley. You can follow us on Twitter at Yarniacs or on Instagram at Yarniac and at Gaily Whaley.